0: Are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd pace clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. It connects to your Swim Nerd mobile app, allowing you to program any set your heart desires. Except for 10100s while listening to Nickelback. You can't program that. That that is not allowed. If you haven't seen the Swim Nerd pace clock yet, go to swimpractice.com to check it out.
1: Okay, Joao Du Luca, how are you, my friend?
0: Amazing, man. Thank you for having me here. It's uh, what an honor. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. Listen, we, we did try this before we had some sound issues, so we came back to it, and uh, the picture looks beautiful, Sound sounds amazing, so glad to have you.
0: Good. Ready to go, man. That's awesome.
1: So where are you coming from? Where where are you right now?
0: I am in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, in the middle of the, the country, and... I've been here about two months now and I had my baby daughter in Brazil and now we setting up here as a family and yeah, well, things are looking good here.
1: Well, that's interesting. So you, obviously you're Brazilian, your wife's Brazilian. Why did you, but you've been living in America for many years. Why did you decide to go home and have the baby in Brazil?
0: Uh, first, it was uh, the initial plan and we, we we were planning to have the Kira here so uh whenever we we do the documents uh you wouldn't have much problem like she would be an american but mm-hmm. looking back it was the best decision uh going back to our roots we we're both brazilian and uh we wanted to be close to our family and we wanted to, for her to sort of have a similar background than we had and uh have the same roots and uh it was at at the end it was the best thing because the all the we we found one uh, maternity house where it was good, where it was good enough, but uh, it was still felt like it wasn't. We we didn't get the quite the warm, quite the, the the attention that we were looking for, kind of like what we would have in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And uh, things was very like practical. And uh, we we would go we go there, see a doctor, and then she would say like everything is fine, but uh, we never felt like. Sort of a connection there, and then going back to Brazil immediately. The first doctor visit before Kiro was born, it was just so wow. So it's like, yeah, this is this is what I wanted. This is this is the love that I was looking for. Getting the answers, not just being practical for mm-hmm. uh, you know you, you see the visit and then you do all the check marks and then boom, you're done. Whoever's next. Uh, I felt like everything down there was a lot more, you had a connection and uh, they were explaining a lot of the things, even things, uh, some of the things that we're not even asking. Uh, and uh, so we, we, we felt it was a love in first sight, I would say there going back mm-hmm. to Brazil. And uh, obviously we knew we would be hard having the, the first kid on our own. So it was, a, it was the best decision going down yeah. to Brazil. To have family support, to be you know uh, people who you love, even though we have a lot of people that we feel have a great connection here in Louisville. We have friends, we have coaches, you have Carol's bosses, and they're they're great. But uh, it's it's not the same as the family. And yeah. uh, and then this whole crazy thing happened. Uh, the pandemic started right after Kira was born, and very lucky very glad that we had her there because if you had her here we wouldn't be able to travel down there Mm. or neither have family come up to see her so we the initial plan was to stay four months until brazil trials but we ended up staying almost nine months in brazil and uh it was it was it was really good for for me it was such a good time even though this this whole craziness happening in the world inside my bubble inside my house uh it was the best thing i was uh i I would say the being the best years of my life (laughs) yeah it's crazy (laughs) Uh, most people
1: don't look at it that way but for you you know first time dad um going home and experiencing that with family and friends and then coming back and, and starting your life in america it's uh it's been a good year for you, man. So that's interesting. But uh, we, we do have a lot of in common, we have a lot of connection ourselves. Um, not only was I a coach on the Brazilian team while you were a swimmer, but my my first daughter, her name is Kira as well. Um, and then a lot of people may not know this, but your wife, Carol was the designer of my logo back here. So
0: yeah, pretty cool man she did a great job there she did a, it's looking really sharp
1: she, looking she did a fantastic job i'm so happy and so proud yeah. of um, but like, listen man you just announced your retirement this year as well just recently why did you decide to call it quits uh, now
0: uh it was uh life changes you know that uh when once you become a father uh life changes at least for me it was change for the best and uh, a whole version of myself reborn. The the new Joao had to born again with new responsibilities, with new things and new goals. And lately, all the the goals that I had as an athlete, it was my personal goals. It was my things that I wanted to achieve, uh, things I envisioned as was where I wanted to be, where I wanted to get as an athlete. But uh, the moment she was born, the day after, uh, you just, life does change big time. I will put myself, my life in front of anything to protect this little girl and my family. So, uh, it was mainly for a family. It was, you know, I wanted to be close to her and, uh, it was a lot of things happening all at once. First, uh, Kira was born. Second, uh. The pandemic started, all the pools closed, and uh, I had nowhere to train and then third, after a week, not being able to train, I went down surfing uh, uh, in Rio and I ended up injuring myself. I tore my knee i I tore my PCL, my MCL, mm. and I pulled my hamstring. Mm. so at that at that moment they hadn't postponed the olympics yet and in my mind it was it was already like i'm not going it's uh there's no way i'm going to be able to train and be good enough to to compete in less than a few months and uh so that, that uh, i would say initially, Recovery. Good. I'm doing everything I was doing before, and um, but mainly it was the decision to stay with my family and not travel as much. Give all the attention that I can to Kira, and and yeah, try to. Uh, we wanna. I wanna have a common goal with my wife and my 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 daughter. Something we can grow as a family instead of just put myself first, like I always been doing for thirty years. Yeah, uh, yeah and sense. no longer no longer uh mass for the family yeah getting the the olympic medals a lot of things would change financially uh you know a lot more doors will open but technically i've i'm happy with everything i've accomplished uh i think overall i've accomplished everything i could from swimming i got a great scholarship Uh, I have I had a really good education I I travel all around the world I connect with a lot of people and the only thing was missing it was was the Olympic medal that was the only thing that kept me going to to try for the another Olympics and I know the chances to get it they're very little and the sacrifice they had to put into it's tremendous you have to literally sacrifice a lot of things and right now I'm not willing to sacrifice time with my family to, to get the only thing I didn't get as an athlete. Uh, now, nice. go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, you know, there's so many lessons learned over a period of, of a career like that. And, and I know that you've had time to reflect on some of those things you learned about being a professional swimmer or, you know, just uh, being an athlete growing up in Brazil and then taking a college Scholarship in America. There's so many things you've learned along the way. So tell us some of the lessons that maybe you'll pass on to your future swimmers now that you're a coach or even to your daughter. Things that you learned through swimming that uh, are important life lessons.
0: Uh, I'll say definitely. Yeah, I learned this. Uh, I had this idea, you know, when even though I was still in Brazil, I knew that the possibilities are the, I'll say, the the university that is the sport, you can teach you a lot of lessons. And I think one of the lessons I learned the most so it's uh, how to win and most important how to lose and keep my head up to, for the next, what's next. And, uh, and one thing also later on in my career, one thing that I it was, it was very, very helpful for me to learn, was to not judge myself uh, either good or bad things sometimes are the way they are. And, uh, you know, a lot of times as an athlete, sometimes you put yourself like you don't hit the times that you, you, you're looking for. And immediately first thing you say, it's like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm so stupid. I'm so slow. I'm so, you know, you get caught in those uh, labels that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, uh it doesn't. It doesn't push you forward. And then you know, as a swimmer, we're fighting for, for one one hundred of a second. And sometimes just one thought that crossed your your mind, you can make a total difference between winning or losing, making or not, or you know, changing your life or not. And uh, so, definitely not 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 judging was one big thing that 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 it taught me and uh, definitely winning and losing and uh be able to stay humble no matter what you gotta stay humble no matter how it doesn't matter how good you are and you have to stay humble and later on in my career a great lesson that i i learned obviously by getting so much throughout swimming uh you have to give it back too and uh oh, yeah. you have to you cannot just keep it all to yourself and be selfish you have to I mean at least that was that's the obligation I felt like Mm -hmm. it towards the end of my career I felt like I had a I I had a need to give back
1: yeah yeah Uh, we're very similar in that sense I think I've I've felt the same way throughout my career I felt like so many people gave me so many valuable lessons and I learned so many things that I always felt this need to give back in any way that I could and this podcast in a way is kind of an outlet for me to be able to share stories like you, but it it enables me to give back to the sport too. So whatever the Avenue is, I always felt a draw to swimming and I know you're very similar in that sense. You, you and I have very close personalities when it comes to those sorts of things. Tell me, uh, you're, you're a coach. You're, a young coach. Now you're going into coaching. Who's somebody in your life, a coach that's had a major impact on you, and and why? How? How have they done that?
0: I had uh, one coach back at home growing up. Uh, his name is Daniel Volokita, mm-hmm. uh, and right now he's uh, he's living in Israel with his family. And uh, for me, growing up, he was uh, I had so much admiration for him. He was sort of like he he was a father a father figure for me as well because he was always supporting me no matter what. And he was sort of like my dad. He, he's, he was never raised his voice. He always speak uh, very, very clear and very, uh, sometimes very intense. And uh, you had that like connection, like eye and eye. So you like stare at my, deep in my eye and say something that, sometimes it was mean, but you at the time was, you would make total sense. Like I remember one time and, uh, I was killing, I was killing it at the set and, uh, he knew, he knew that I, I I could have done better. And then at some point I was just like, I was just joking around, like acting like I was the best. And he immediately just shut me down. He's like, you think you, you, you're good enough. You think you're good enough. And, uh, Obviously, I could have taken both ways. Either like, oh, he doesn't believe I'm good, but I felt like at that moment he made such a—he was so impactful because I knew that I could have gone way, way farther, and uh, that was not it. I was—I mm. would not settle. So uh, he was—he was the guy that opened doors for me as far as like, you can achieve your dream, you can go after, and uh, so uh, he trained me until I was. 18 I think mm. uh, and he was great guy I mean he's he's a guy I really respect and later I came to to the U.S. Uh, and Arthur became this figure for me uh, very close uh, we you know he helped me so much throughout all the journey
1: Arthur but, uh,
0: Arthur Albero, yeah that's right and uh, we had a great journey and we all we had up downs uh, you know he he trusts me a lot as an athlete and uh, he put me at some spots that I quite didn't feel uh, comfortable with it I remember uh, you know after winning my first NCAA champion uh, he put me as a captain and uh, it was something I, I, would, I didn't want to do I didn't want it to to be in that position the highlight position I was always you know I knew I was a good swimmer but I never felt like. I was in a position that, like, to lead the group. And that, for me, was such an amazing experience because swimming, it changed from from individual. And it was, uh, in college already, it was from individual to team. But once he put me in the, the spot as a captain, it was just a tremendous change. Like, a lot of the things said that I wouldn't do, like, like recruiting, you know, give attention to the recruits, I felt obligated to do it. I felt like I had to give. I have to push. I have to uh, to push people to get better. I have to bring some, you know, help bring some of the athletes to mm-hmm. join the UofL team and all that. And another coach that for me was, it's, and it still is, uh, it's a great friend of mine and uh, I love him so much. It's Chris Lindauer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, a lot of the times, he was he was more like, we were more like level we could speak the same things and uh he would understand me uh so i was never i would never hold anything back to to tell him or or you know just he was the guy that all he will always keep me accountable no matter what and uh he would always get me out of my comfort zone uh, nice. he knew my weakness and he knew some of the, my my strength and then he would obviously pushed my weakness and try to just got the bullshit from me. It was like, hey no, one of the things that I always struggle with it was not keep my stroke uh, without breathing and uh, he was he was the only one that said such a things that like you would make me difference like in my mind to like okay, I'm gonna listen to this guy. he's right and uh, and uh, yeah uh, and one more coach that was uh, great for me he was uh, now he's coaching Minas. Uh, I was there last year, uh, Sergio. Uh, he was, a um, he was a great mentor as well. Uh, very different team player than any other coaches I've seen in Brazil. So we had this great connection. I, I, even though we didn't work for very long, we worked about, uh, six months. We had a great connection and, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was such an amazing experience, uh, to train with him.
1: It's nice when you have people like that throughout your career that have made a huge impact on you. Um, you know, you you certainly talked, talked about some instances where the coaches have challenged you and you've had to then look internally, uh, maybe really quickly, or you, they give you a, a couple of hours or a couple of days to figure it out, or, or maybe even it took you a season to think, oh yeah, that's what they were talking about. But, um, you know, you see it all the time that athletes take things personally when a coach is pushing them or challenging them um you know have you seen that in your own experiences and why do you think that you may have been different to some of your teammates when when some people take things very very personal you
0: got a problem
1: here. sorry all right yeah we had some uh slight interruptions there but uh in terms of the question about you know, some athletes take things personally from their coaches and, and you seem to take it in the way that they meant it of like challenging them and pushing you. Uh, have you seen that from people around you? And how do you try and encourage those people when they do take things personally from a coach, when, when the coach is actually just trying to send a message to them of, hey, you can be better here?
0: Well, one thing that uh, I've always seen, and especially as, grown, as I got more mature as an athlete, uh, it was uh, before, like, okay, let me go back a little bit. Uh, before growing up, I always, we always had that like mentality or a vision that coach is your boss. They, they're going to tell you what to do. You have to do it no matter what. He's always going to be right. Uh, you cannot argue with that. And, uh, and obviously, as I get more mature, as I got, you know, more experience as well, I start, I start seeing the sport and the relationship coach and athlete more like a partnership and uh Mm. and uh you know and it's it's not he's not my boss he's not he's he won't be total every time right and uh you have to make a really good connection with coach and maintain a good communication where you can give give feedback and Mm -hmm. explain some of the things that you feel because the coach is just is just an eye obviously with a lot of experience but coaches do not understand how we how athletes feel like unless Mm -hmm. the athletes if it's very well communicating giving feedback Mm -hmm. and uh so and now as a coach it's something one of the things I worked a lot even though I'm coaching younger ones I try to be clear I try to just uh you know uh, make them understand that I'm not their boss I'm, I'm their partner and their success obviously it's my success, and uh. I'm their number one fan, and I'm, I'm the one probably that want them to succeed more more than anybody, uh, obviously, and their parents too. But uh, if we may, I think if if it's clear for both and to have an understanding that it's a partnership, I think you just get a lot easier. So it's right now as an as a coach, it's something that I try to be straightforward with my athletes and tell them that and, uh, this is not every time I'm gonna be 100% right. Uh, I have a great understanding of swimming, I have good knowledge, but uh, I need to get your feedback to, to have an understanding of what's going on in your mind and how you physically feeling, emotionally, spiritually, and all that because all these things depend so be- so much in order to achieve success.
1: Yeah, well said, man, I like that. Very good advice there for young athletes. Now, listen, now let's talk about a couple of your performances a little bit. Uh, one of the most incredible performances I saw was when you won the 200 freestyle at NCAAs from lane one. Uh, I could really just see the mentality that you had behind the blocks and that translated from the very first stroke. I mean, you were, I like the word intentional. You were very intentional in terms of the way that you were going to swim that race, how you were going to swim it, the um, the confidence you had in your ability to to swim the way you swam, but it was really just, this is my race and I'm going to go get it. So talk, talk to me about that performance you had on that particular day.
0: Yeah. Uh, In order to talk about that, I have to start the year before my sophomore year. Uh, I had all, I throughout all the season going to dual meets. I had the fastest time and, and, uh, but going to the meet, going to NCAAs, I wasn't mentally prepared for that. I was sort of out of my head thinking that I was the best, that I, it was one and I just had to just swim and sort of the victory fall off my lap. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being third and uh, that really stinked. That like, it was hard to swallow. Obviously I was happy. It was my second time going to NCAAs with good results, going, finishing third. That's awesome. But once it, when it's something that you vision yourself, uh, you know, that you're capable of winning it. Uh, it was just, it was hard. So the, the year after it was just the whole year and Chris helped me so much with that, to stay focused every day, to, to, to work towards that goal and going to that meet, uh, I already had the fastest year, the fastest times all year. And it was, it was a decision. Like you said, uh, it was a decision to, that I was going to win no matter what. But there were a few, one thing that he helped me mentally to get even stronger. And, uh, and, and the vision that I was going to win, it was a lot more clear. So not many people know this. So I had a plan. I was going to, I told Arthur and, and Chris that prelims, I'm, I was just gonna swim to make it back. The, I was the last heat, so I could see everyone. Everybody have swimmed before, and coaches just told me, "You just swim to win the heat, the heat, and you'll be good to move on. Try to just just manage your your race and all that." <laughs> and uh, I did. I won the heat, and it was very close between me and Dax Hill. I qualify lane one he qualify qual qualify lane eight and uh i always i almost give him my coaches a heart attack because <laughs> i was so close to not <laughs> to not make it back and uh um, so i win the the race it felt good i think i swam like one thirty three something uh to on prelims and it felt good it felt like easy because it was just like uh, my goal was to go to break the record uh. So going 133, it was it was it was something very manageable. So I'm walking back to the locker room, and I see Dax Hill, the guy from Texas that year that won the year before, and he was throwing up. I was like, man, I feel good. This is if he's 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 the, my main competitor. He's not feeling good. I got this. And at that, that moment, it was just my ego was just elevated so much (laughs) that was like there was no question and uh, i knew that nobody would see me because i'm lane one and i'm so out of the radar and my decision was to go out fast and see how it feels i was i always i had a plan going out uh strong the first hundred and i had was i knew that i would I believe that my training was really good. I, I, I knew that I could hold it back, the last hundred, and uh, so I just took house pass. And uh, at that time, it was something pretty fast, like going out th- 43 something or 42. High, I'm not I'm not quite sure. And uh, I was so ahead of everyone else that I, in my mind I was just like, okay, hey, you just gotta, you just gotta touch it first. You just gotta finish. Just gotta finish. And uh, I won. And uh, but going it before i know it might sound cocky but whatever uh i I knew i was gonna win i was it was a decision before that uh it was it was my race that was my year and uh nobody could take that from me
1: i like that actually the the fact that you said it was a decision because you you do a lot of the times when you perform at your highest level you decide to perform like that it's not a matter of chance or you're not you're not hoping that oh, I hope I swim well today. You actually at yeah. some point during the day decide today is my day. They're not going to stop me today. And, uh, it was, it was definitely evident the way that you swam that race. I knew it from the moment you took off. That was it. You, you had decided, uh, you also had an amazing celebration. You decided to clap with your feet instead of clapping with your hands. How did you do that? Yeah. yeah.
0: There was a, it started my, the year before, uh, we were swimming against the UK, University of Kentucky, and it was such a close meet. Uh they were ahead of us and we've been winning the previous years. And uh for so but that year was tough because they had a legit team. There was they had really fast guys, and uh it all came down to one race uh that uh the relay. So if we won, so we so we ended up splitting the relay. And uh, if we win the relay, we first and second, we would win the meet. And uh, obviously Louisville and Kentucky have such a big rivalry. And uh, so I did at my at my junior year, the foot clap at a dual meet. And <laughs> the guy next to me, I don't know who, who was it, that anchored the relay with me. He just splashed water in my face and fuck you, man. You cannot do this, such a disrespect. And I, I held it calm and like you try to like come up with a you know, try to come up with funny and it was like, man, next time just beat me, you know, I just uh, <laughs> sorry for you. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we got on deck and it had my guy the guys on my team versus them. We start pushing each other like it was sort of like a drama show there. And yeah, it's just uh <laughs> it was it was funny and uh, we celebrate very hard at Deadpool and when we're living, uh, they egged our bus, and it was something. It was like, wow, this is, this is intense. This is, I like it, and uh, so <laughs> I did it because I thought it was, you know, try. I, I try to be different. Uh, I try. I try to come up with something unique. Uh, people haven't done before, and uh, we're like, yeah, I mean. Why not <laughs> why well, I won? i can do whatever right on you can and, do whatever
1: uh, man clap with your feet You when you win you clap with your feet
0: <laughs> yeah it was a
1: classic <laughs> celebration definitely memorable um we actually had a moment where where i was coaching against you i was i was at auburn and, and i had um, supposedly the number one sprinter in the country in Marcello Cherogini and, and you were you were there as well in the in the hundred. But so we knew it was going to come down to, to you and him in Texas for the hundred freestyle title. But I certainly felt pretty confident that I had the best swimmer and, and the fastest man at the time. And that's not the way it ended up. You know, you ended up winning the race, Marcelo ends up getting second. I was devastated. Because I'm like you as a coach, you know, when, when they win, you win and you, you all celebrate. When they lose, you lose. And so you feel terrible. But certainly it was just another one of those remarkable swims where you, where you were just, um, you had a lot of confidence. You were in control. So talk me through that 100 freestyle championship win in Texas.
0: Right. Uh, let me just uh, briefly go back to the day before. It was the 200. And uh, I had won the year before. And uh, going to that race, I was just sort of managing. I was sort of afraid to lose the title that I had the year before, and and it was just, I was just controlling everybody. I knew uh, I knew so well how to race the two free that uh, the whole time that that uh, I wanted to beat the record, but at the same time I was so afraid to lose the title, so I was just managing the race to not let anybody. Past me uh-huh. and Arthur Arthur made a good point at that night I was like good job on the win uh and I knew at that year I was faster I was better prepared for that race I wanted to beat the record and he but he said made a good point He was like man you didn't race you didn't race to win you just race to not lose And mm-hmm. it was, it that made total sense that made total sense and I slept on that and I made a decision too that, you know, I'm, i I want to take the hunter free. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go out. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to win this. And I have studied Marcelo's swim before. I know he's, he is a faster, he was a faster guy. He still is a faster swimmer than I am. And he mainly sprinter. He could have go out fast, but I made a, I sort of made a plan that you fight, take out the first 15 ahead of him, have a good start, work on my underwaters, I'm going to shut him down uh, mentally because he will not expect that. And that's what I did. I uh, I just had to give a extra push on the first 50, which is hard for me. Mainly as a dist- main, mid-distance swimmer, it is hard to take out fast. So it's something that I've been working on, and I just, I just did. Uh, I took off ahead of him the first fifty and I knew that my back half was better than his so uh I could hold my strong better too. And I worked a lot of underwater too. So my last while, I try to stay up a little longer, not hit the waves and I end up winning.
1: Nice. I love that uh the fact that you you're making decisions to win and you had the confidence to win. Have you ever felt uh, a meet internationally when you're representing Brazil where you've had that similar confidence or you've made similar decisions like that
0: yeah pen ams pen ams was uh it was the same way uh i knew i was ready year, to go what year
1: was this 15
0: 15 mm-hmm. Uh and i was lane seven too i was in the outside i like it to be in the outside lanes where out of the radar i feel like being in the middle lane four or five it's so much pressure Uh, I like to stay out of the radar. So going that year, I was the same thing. I was just, I had the plan to go out and race, execute. And I did exactly the way I visioned, the way I have been training, the way I have been visualizing the way, uh, how I was going to race. I was going to take the first hundred nice and smooth with coaches. Uh, We call that the stroke sexy, sexy stroke, which is, you know, nice and big and uh control good legs but not overdoing it and and going finishing the first hundred i just attacked the wall and had a really good dolphin kicks and pushed the third third 50 where people start start dying i was just made my move and i got such a big lead and then the last 50 was just okay gotta put a head head in and just let your emotions take control. Now it's just you see, you know that you're ahead. Just once you have just the emotions, you you forget about where it hurts, uh, what's going on. you just so worry about touching force, and sometimes even the the stroke collapse a little bit because you see the emotions is with dri- what's driving you. So I end up winning the 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 Pan American Games too. Uh, I broke the record and. I went six four, which is still my, my life, my best time at the mm. 200. And it was, it was such a fun race too.
1: Listen, man, very few people will ever get to experience the feeling of having a, an Olympics at home. You know, I, I was very fortunate in the year 2000. I got to swim at Sydney, um, but it was, it was a tough experience for me, honestly. Um, you swam in 16 in Rio. Talk to me about maybe um, the first time you heard that the Olympics were going to be in Brazil and then, you know, how that, how that shifted over time and then eventually making the Brazilian team for the Olympics and what that experience was like.
0: Oh, man, it was, uh, it was awesome. It's just uh, I think as an athlete, it's not many athletes get to go. Everybody envisioned themselves going to the Olympics, which is something I grew up, uh, you know, wanted to to go to Olympics, and but I never, never thought you know it would the Olympics would be in my backyard, and and it was the best experience as as an athlete. It was really really cool to sort of for the first time, as 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 a swimmer, you feel like I was compared to a soccer player back there because everybody whoever was in, wearing Brazil shirt. People will go crazy for you. People would just, you know, you could sort of manipulate the crowd, and uh, and so it was so intense. Being able to just walk into the arena because it was that that pool was really cool, uh, surrounded by uh, stands all around, and it was loud in there, and uh, you know, sort of having a re- immediate response whenever you wave to to the crowd and then people would just get so enthusiastic and, like rah, vibrate even more uh, it was such a such a cool experience and swimming the final obviously we ended up being fifth on the relay but uh it was still like one of the best uh memories uh from as a swimmer even though it was hard to swallow we we we, we thought we would we, we could get on the podium but it was a uh, it was still. I was so happy with my swim, the way how it was a show. It was for me. It was like it was such a show to 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 be part of it, and it was really nice. Everything ended up so so nice there.
1: Did you feel a different type of pressure? Did you feel an uh, an obligation where you felt like you had to get on the podium, or did you were you able to use that crowd and that pressure as as a positive for your performance?
0: Yeah, I did feel a pressure on it, especially because uh, the the Olympic, the the Brazilian uh, Olympic Committee had invested so much in the athletes. You know, we've been doing training camps. We have done things that we never did before, and and I I sort of felt like I I needed to win to sort of give it back to the country, to give it back to people. And I feel like in Brazil we we do have a lack of idols. Uh, for me, the biggest idol we ever had, and until today, it might be uh, Ayrton Senna, the F1 mm-hmm. driver back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a reality, so there, so, and his reality was so far from the reality that the, the population lived in Brazil. And, uh, and I sort of wanted to give like hope to, 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 to Brazil. The last Olympic gold medalist we had was Cesar uh you know and it was amazing how much that impacted people how much how many kids started enjoying uh joining more swimming and sort of i wanted to feel the same way i wanted to give it back i wanted to have sort of impact for not just for my team that was there but for the whole country i wanted to to give it back sort of like that sense of hope oh you know we can do this we can we can do this together
1: yeah uh, that's that's cool man That's very awesome in terms of the the responsibility and i guess in a way as a person that wants to give back i'm sure you you feel a responsibility now as as a coach or somebody as an influencer in brazilian swimming how can you affect the future of brazilian swimming especially now through this pandemic and you know, I understand that the clubs are being hit very hard. I'm sure that the swimmers back home are being uh, hit very hard. The, the whole sport itself, um, you know, is there a way that you felt like, hey, I've got to somehow give back to the future of, of Brazilian swimming?
0: Yeah, there is a way, obviously. I think one of the ways it's just breaking that mentality that swimming is an individual sport because... A lot of times we we limit ourselves. We don't give ourselves enough credit because we're just doing it for us. And uh, once once we bring the mentality of uh, doing collective, doing it as a team, and uh, making and people joining some of the teams to feel welcome and to feel that they belong to certain to certain you know uh, to that club or to whatever they're wearing it, and start doing for for others. It's such a, like, you it had so much value when you're doing something for others instead of when you're just doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just bringing that mentality that swimming, it's not, it's not individual sport. Uh, even though if you don't do relays, it's still not individual sport. Look at how many people that helps you out throughout the way. You have coaches, you have masseuse therapists, you have PTs, you have mom and dad, which is part of. It's a huge part of the team as well. Uh, friends. It, it's so many people that involve, you know, getting to, to that place where you, you, you wanted to be. And it's it's not. Even though you're just doing your own race, it's, you got to have more people. So it's just people having... I think once people start having this understanding that uh, it is a team sport, people will achieve more success too
1: do you have aspirations of being a brazilian coach in the future or or being part of the brazilian um confederacy or federation or anything like that
0: yeah i'd love to to help brazil uh you know coaching um have a program down there but i feel like right now i want to learn as much as i can here and um and have something ready to start there. Be not. I don't want to sort of go down there and hustle and and sort of. I feel like there's a lack of there's a lack of appreciation when you swim coach there, and and I don't want to go through that. I wanna I wanna learn here as much as I can. So whenever I go down there, I have something solid to bring on and add on to 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 the program or to the country
1: nice um had one of your teammates Mallory Comerford on she gave us a, an incredible 200 free set that she has done at Louisville and with your team before give me something else give me another set that you felt has uh has been a huge impact on you becoming you know one of the world's best 100 200 freestylers
0: yeah one of the sets uh, i think she mentioned about the 2150s uh-huh. uh right that set it's it's really good uh Obviously it's it's one of the sets that y- you have to be prepared a couple of days before. Yeah. But one of the sets I like it a lot too, it's uh it's the 2450s short course. We do a VO2. Sometimes when it, when we can we do a long course, but twenty-four fifty straight uh VO2 and usually they are on one ten and you have to hold the best average there going fast as you can. And uh, it's something that obviously I have to. Also, I I have to know that it's coming. I have to be mentally prepared because it's a it's a hard set. It's yeah. it, and I I like it a lot.
1: When Just, you're at your best, yeah. what are you holding? Twenty twos. Twenty twos. Short course. Twenty two lows. Yeah, yeah. And then what about long course? Have you have you done it long course?
0: I have twenty six, twenty
1: seven. Yeah, good. Yeah, nice very nice
0: yeah and the one set i i like it a lot i like i love uh training with chris lindauer uh he he was now he's the the sprinting he he to the sprint program and uh he he i love it cuz he's always thinking outside of the box come up with new things new drills and i loved you know uh training with him one thing i like it a lot it was tuesdays and thursdays we did. Uh, we call it the battle pool. Sometimes we short the the bulkheads, move it, move it close together, and we just race uh, short distance. Like sometimes not even push off. We just go from a dead fish position into to to the wall, or have to do a couple flips on the way. So he always like we testing not much the swimming the swimming skills and ability to go fast, but a lot of the workouts he put in. You had to be an athlete. You had to be very athletic and do other things that was non-swimming. So a lot of focus on push-offs, uh, underwaters, breakouts, some of the things that were not just the swimming itself, uh, just being very athletic and capable of doing all of that together.
1: Who's somebody on the international scene that you really loved competing against?
0: Uh, Nathan Andrew, I mean, I, it was Nathan, even though he beat me every time, <laughs> but, uh, he was, a uh, he was someone that, uh, I really admire as a, you know, I, I always looked up to him as a, as a the great athlete. He has been for so long in the, in, you know, on the top. And he's such a cool guy too. He's just always with that big smile, always like helping, uh, especially the younger ones, he'd never, I was giving his best suit to, to to his fans. And the other one who trained with me was Kelsey, Kelsey Dahlia. Uh, I never compete against her, but uh, as an international swimmer, uh, it's someone that I, uh, I look up for her so much. And I was able to train with her and learn so much from her as well. She She was the woman that always like, every practice, she was able to put me in my place. Sometimes when I when I was not doing a good job, she, she would be the one like, you know, being forward to me and just like being, being straight. It was like, Hey, you're not doing a good job or like what's going on. And she was, uh, and I love training with her. She was a, she was a great, great partner to train with.
1: Awesome, man. Well, listen, I appreciate it. Congratulations on a great career. Thank you for being uh, one of my teammates for many years on the Brazilian team too. I learned a lot from you and got a, a lot of respect for you and, uh, very proud of the man that you are right now and um can't wait to be on the deck coaching with you someday soon man
0: thank you man it was uh it was amazing uh thanks for having me here
1: yeah absolutely all right take care buddy